Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy. Hello, everybody. I have another amazing guest ready for your listening pleasure in today's episode of Private Practice Made Perfect. Uh, Kerry Weaver is sitting through the little white light with me. Kerry is the owner of a business called Eyes and Independence. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy, for inviting me. Oh, all good. So this isn't a job interview. So this is just about the business awesome part. So uh, we'll find our way. We'll find our way. Tell us about why you started Eyes at Independence? Okay, well, um, why, I guess, um, my my background is in teaching, um, in special education, and have trained in vision impairment. Mm. And I have then done a couple of other things since then, um, in early childhood, and also a master's in human services, which I specialised in orientation and mobility. Mm. And people might have more of an understanding of this by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. And so, yeah, I've I've worked in government jobs as in in that kind of role as an itinerant teacher, and um, and in a couple of different states, um, one being well Melbourne, Tasmania, and then Queensland. And yeah, I really moved for those positions because um, it's sometimes it's an area where when they really need people. They're hard to get, mm-hmm. but then also if you want to stay in that field and there's no positions, you have to really go to where the positions are. So that's what I I did a bit of a run around like that, and um, and then I came to Queensland and did my regional time, country service, and all in the area of blind and vision impaired, and as an itinerant teacher, which is travelling from school to school or community centre to community centre, um, and childcare centre, kindergarten, that type of thing, supporting children from birth through to 18 under the school system really. Mm. Um, And, yeah, and then I um, had a pretty devastating experience where um, the government and the made decisions to, um, to change some of the structuring of services and decided they were going to cut down on numbers of visiting teachers, one which I never even expected because they were going to still maintain our field um, in vision impairment and um, we all had to apply for our own jobs and several of us didn't get them back and wow. in those positions. And um, When was not, this, Kerry? This was um, 2013. Okay. And um, it was in the North Coast region and um, totally unexpected, not really knowing who it was likely to happen to. And basically the ones of us that did lose our positions were all highly qualified, had been in the profession for at least 
over 20 years and we were the ones that were chosen to not get the position back. So um, prior to that, I had been looking into um, sort of going privately if things were to change and um, Better Start, which was a funding source. Yep, yep. Um, some time ago now, but um, for zero to sevens for kids with sensory impairments. Um, yeah, I, I had looked into that process and that took a while, but I actually got accepted and was the first person in Australia as a um, special education teacher in vision impairment um, to, yeah, to be certified or come under the social services department mm. and approved to run to do those services. Um, so when I lost my position, um, yeah, they wanted to send me off to anywhere else they could find a hole, which they did for about 18 months, and that was as a special ed teacher. But um, I could do the job, but I didn't like their philosophy and mm. um, kept saying I want to be back in vision impairment, and I would say there wasn't a much support in me being able to do that. And in the end, they really gave me no other ultimatum and I had to resign. So, mm. um, so you had the business sort of little bit of business interest sitting there yeah I did and I think um I think because for a long time we all know that government can restrict things in what you want to do and even in the hours that you want to work so you know previously you know you've only got that nine to three that you can work within and it's not regarded highly if you work over those hours or you know we know that you don't get paid for it but um you know, you only had kind of like three sessions in the day. You could go in and see a person and provide supports. You mm. probably do one of those sessions and then you'd be on the road again to the next. So um, I guess I wanted to provide, I was very keen to look at a service where I could provide how I thought it should be done yeah. um, based on my experience of like um, almost, yeah, well, 25 years at that time. And, um, yeah, and wanting to provide a quality service and different to what other people provided. Um, and I guess sort of hone in on my specialty areas and, mm. um, you know, focus on the person and not be there just, you know, for the number, but there for actually, you know, for the child to learn. So, yeah. yeah. And then in yeah. going into that business, um, I did start with just children under the Better Start um, source of funding, but um, as an orientation and mobility specialist, I'm qualified, you know, to support adults as well. And I'd always worked in the area of disability, like from a very young age with adults too. So, um, yeah, so I've now, now it's now from zero to 99. Mm. So, yeah, so that's how I kind of went into it. I fell out of one and fell into the next. Yeah. And I I did do some contract work under um, a couple of the blindness organisations. And then, um, yeah, they wanted to employ their people. And um, and I was really more qualified than what they were offering as a I guess um as a going rate too, mm. which is something people don't really realise. But um, but I've never sort of done it for the money. But I knew that I would have more flexibility if I could do it myself. Yep. Yeah. So that's what yep. I yeah. So that's how I sort of went into it. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. 
We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. We can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. It's interesting your motivations are so similar to so many other people I speak with that wanting a bit of flexibility, wanting to provide a quality service, wanting to really partner with clients to kind of get the outcomes that Mm. they want and that in order to achieve those goals, they've got to do it themselves. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, like I really like the idea of, it sounds probably a bit crazy to some, but of working on Saturdays as well um, Mm. because you get someone who's who's recovered or recovering from the the week but also just in more of a relaxed mm. a relaxed style and probably a bit more willing to learn but open to doing a range of things on a saturday if you know what i mean yep yeah yeah but yeah. i was doing a lot of saturdays for a few years there and um if i didn't have a saturday to do i'd kind of say think to myself you know what am I doing now what, where's what my life gone? myself <laughs> where's yeah, my life I do gone? have to watch that a bit yeah <laughs> Do you work long hours in your business now? Yeah, I do. Um, my husband would say I just work all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I do work long hours because some of the longer hours, I guess, are things that I don't get paid for, but I have to maintain my website, my Facebook page, mm. um, you know, the invoicing, <laughs> the dreaded invoicing, the um, the planning and timetabling and all that type of thing. Mm. Um, I have probably got a little bit better more recently in justifying that, you know, I could have a couple of hours off catching up with a friend during the day because, you know, I've got some people to see at four o'clock this afternoon or, yep, um, yep. you know, so Bringing I sort of. That, um, that flexibility motivation. You've got to yeah, make it, yeah, yeah. Make it and work. I, and I definitely disciplined myself. Um, I would feel guilty if I had too many days off, you know, um, <laughs> but I know that's my own guilt. But um, if I'm doing a good job, um yeah, I, I can. I know that I can justify you know, having a bit of time being mm. a bit flexible. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, I remember doing um, an exercise with my accountant many, many well decades ago, when we actually worked out that the hours that I worked, that I was really working, and what my real hourly rate was, not the rate I was billing out. But my real hourly rate, and I, as I say that, I'm going back to a visual of sitting in his office, looking out the window, sitting with a calculator. He was working it out on the whiteboard, and it was confronting. Let it be said. Let it be said. Yeah, well, I know that um, before sort of working out how I needed to work, um, my husband and I sort of did some figures, and he's saying, oh, you've you've got to have this many clients and this many clients to see per week. And it's like, well, no, I don't because I may see a client for three hours on some occasions, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not actually the number of clients. It's just looking at the hours yep. and if it's ever going to equate to the teacher wage that I was on, yeah. you know. And um, luckily now, you know, I've reached that, but that took a while. Um, but, yeah, it's um, 
yeah, at least now, I, I guess, thanks to NDIS, um, I can do a couple of hours and that's okay if I only do a couple of hours that day, you know, but I just sort of need to keep being consistent in what I can do. Mm. But I know too, I recently went down to Melbourne for just a bit of a sort of a trip for family reasons and, um, well, I caught up on a bit of invoicing and, you know, I didn't take the whole load with me but <laughs> I certainly took Please the Please do the invoicing. Please do the invoicing. <laughs> yes, yes. At least and, weekly. And, yeah. And it's to my own detriment because, mm. you know, I've always left myself to last when it comes to, you know, logging the kilometres and, and getting the payback on those things. So I've got to um, discipline myself a bit more there. Discipline's such a, a good word for it. Um, it's, it's about figuring out the core duties that the owner of the business has to do. And in this case, you're doing all of the all of the things and then, you know, pretty much getting them into your calendar mm. that the invoicing gets done Friday, four o'clock or whenever it is. And, um, and I think I should, uh, yeah, I think I need to do that more mm. um, <laughs> to have a set day because I, yeah, it just sort of depends on what I'm doing. And I guess to, I do a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. So my role is different. It can be different every day. I could spend, you know, a few, you know, a day doing support coordination work, which is very piecey. So, yep. you know, I might be doing 15 minutes for someone there and then I do a half hour and then I do yep. a phone call. And so all those sorts of things, I write things down on on different sheets for the, those files. But, yeah, it is hard to sometimes get into a consistent, okay, this day I'm going to be doing another yep. thing. But, and I guess some business owner duties are more consistent than others you know mm, mm. there are definitely some weekly fortnightly monthly kind of tasks that you've got to do let's mm. go back to when the business started what did you learn about business in those first two or three years um well I think I um I learned a little bit about business prior to that in the sense that I was I actually was recovering from um major surgery and wanted a project <laughs> being a workaholic <laughs> that I am and um so um, I started doing website training mm-hmm. and it was actually via the States at that time. I think I might so have you were nocturnal. Yes, yes. Um, I, yeah, and they were actually phone calls too, which was really interesting. Um, I used to do about two or three phone calls a week and I paid, I think, a few thousand to do the training. But the training actually went for like six months and they would give me homework mm. and I had to do things before I could, you know, chat to them again, that mm. kind of thing. So I actually learn a bit about business, I guess, that way because we also did get to sort of like the point of online shopping and, you know, putting products on and, and talking E-car- about e-commerce, yeah. Yeah, and talking about my business and my goals and how to how to write to that. So um so I guess that was a good that was a really good learning experience. And um there was a few little glitches. I think we were a bit challenging because of the fact that I was doing it through the States and sort of just you know, the understanding of mm. services and how they're provided. Yep. Um, the In the beginning, I attended a lot of business network meetings and a lot of, um, I did some Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, um, cool. Breakfast things I went to. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, it's amazing when you're not working on a regular nine to five weekdays, when you realise that there's so much else going on during the week, like things that you can attend. Yep. And so... I found that really, really useful for networking because I've always been a really strong advocate for networking. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I attended a lot of those sorts of things. Some, some weren't that appropriate for me for what I did. Yeah. You know, um, I really, 
going to the breakfast and sitting amongst the real estate agents and the accountants and the lawyers <laughs> weren't really my thing. Um, but then it's kind of finding the group that does suit more, that, yeah. um, that has always been specifically more service providers like in the area of disability or understanding, you know, the allied health area. Um, so, yeah, so that was, um, I found that was really good preparation. Um, I probably, I, I haven't got a business, you know, certificate or degree or mm. anything. Um, I've sort of learnt that as I've gone along and I think yep. I've managed that pretty well. Um, but I think, you know, um, I've always debated on, um, you know, getting an admin person. I did have an admin person for for some periods of time and I actually um, took on somebody under the DES scheme, so mm. someone who hadn't yep, worked yep. in the system for, you know, 13 years, came back and did work for me and now she's off on her own doing things, so that's great. Um, I'm a very strong advocate for, like, employing people who are needing work, who've got the skills but are not, you know, being probably equitably considered for jobs. Yeah. Yeah, their yep. disabilities. Um, I I found though Facebook and um, using Facebook has definitely been a big thing, and I and I did do blogs for a long time. I actually committed to doing a blog every Sunday night, which was in the end so much pressure on me I couldn't believe <laughs> why I was doing it. And uh, and this guy who was helping me with my website sometimes, you know, said to me, "Why are you doing that every week?" It's like I don't know. That's just what I've set myself to do. <laughs> but they were being read. Um, but I must admit, you know, most of my clients that I have um, and how I've had referrals has really been word of mouth. And yep. so I think, you know, I know we can all spend so much time on social media platforms and, um, you know, spending time on making the website look good. But, um, yeah, the majority has really been word of mouth. And I guess the ironic thing about that is that, you know, the job that I lost um, after years of supporting particular students and sometimes you're sort of on part of their continuum because mm, they're not yeah, yeah. around, you know, um, they've come back to me. You know, to oh, support. there you go. And I sort of have to laugh at, you know, the uh, yep. my previous The opportunity employer. that uh, that transition has provided for everybody. Yeah. So, yep. um, which is really nice and I still have people, you know, saying, oh, look, you know, we're really looking for somebody who knows what they're on about. You know, we want you to come and work with someone. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, I yeah. love those phone calls. Um, I pick them up every so often. Um, and it starts with, look, you probably don't remember us, but I'm so-and-so. And by the time they've got to that point, you usually know exactly yeah. who they are. Yep, yep. <laughs> Occasionally, I really need my memory um, prodded. Uh, but it's I've found it lovely over the years, yeah. just wonderful over the years to get those random calls. Someone I saw when they were six who now needs mm. something for year 12 or university yeah, right. or uh, what have you. So, yeah, well, um, I, I support people now who I knew since they were two mm. or four and, you know, now they're, some are even 30 or 35 <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, have I really keeping been around that long? <laughs> Keeping you young. Yeah, so right. in those first couple of years, it was sorting out your online presence, yeah. blogging, getting the hang of Facebook, and I guess yeah. showing up on online, and also yeah. connecting with other business owners and and networking. Yeah. What about right. the client work and the billing and the documents and all of that? That can be pretty steep. Yes. Yes. Um, in the beginning, it's funny, I can't actually really remember how I did the invoicing in the beginning. I must have just done my own 
like template sheet. But then I did um then I did engage with um an app that I now use. I'm not sure mm. if I can say yeah, what or why not? it was. So I, I've I've been associated with Invoice to Go. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up with them and um because invoicing wasn't really yeah something that I really knew much about. Mm. Um, but that's kind of worked really well. Um, it's fairly automatic. I know that once I get to them, I can do them quickly. <laughs> um, you know, obviously they have the glitches too and it takes mm. time. But um, And I know it does have the option of me, like I can basically do one as soon as I've seen a client if I'm not yep. driving, you know, but I don't tend to do that, although I could. Um, what else did you ask me about? Oh, um, yeah, so I set up definitely um, having my own um, bank account for just business has been yeah. great. Gold. Um, Great for my accountant. Yep. Um, I just have Couldn't to agree more. Statements. Absolutely um, essential. You know, she does the the best stuff, and I just hand over the things, and she knows what you know different items mean. Um, I think certainly if yeah if if I hadn't if I wasn't able to be paid under Better Start or NDIS, um, you know, I may not have a business. Um, mm. And at least through payments in that way, I've got a. I'd say I've got a fairly good idea of how that all gets paid and and yep. um, and I can you know follow follow how that's all being done most of the time um, so I guess um, yeah lo- lots of paperwork um, I, I develop my own database I guess um, mm. of clients um, I still could benefit from learning a bit more of that type of thing that would maybe make the process quicker yeah um, because I'm probably a bit slow on the admin. Um, I'd rather be out there with people, basically. But, mm, understandable, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I hate spending too much time on the admin side if I could be out there. But then mm. also it's hard to find if I, you know, was employing someone all the time um, for them to understand what I'm needing or what my job entails. So, yeah. But And I guess because it's a real specialty area, it's hard to find someone who knows the job um, or yeah, if I needed an offsider to actually um, for them to have those sorts of skills as well. And I probably have fairly high standards in who I would get to, you know, to work alongside me. But I do, I definitely, through all my networking and everything, have found I've developed a list myself of who I would refer people to that yeah. I like and can yeah. recommend, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Good admin uh, or customer service support is often a bit of a game changer mm. uh, for you to be able to hand things over and know that there's systems documented and training in place and that they, they know what to do mm. with the um, task. It can absolutely help you reclaim your time, but i um, not saying it's always easy to find that that human, whether it's a real-life human who you meet with or whether it's an online human, it's a really yeah, cool right. Really uh, great skill set and a great asset to have in your in your team. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have had some good people and um, yeah. But I um I, I have found and as you said too, it's kind of it's trusting that person, but knowing what you can leave them with. And I guess it mm-hmm. takes a while to sort of understand the role. So I felt I felt in the past that having someone I've sort of been here for that too, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's probably something that I you know was aiming to not be here for. But that's just sort of how it panned out at the time, you know. 
Yeah, sometimes you can underestimate how long it's going to take to onboard someone. Mm. We sort of think we'll give them a good two weeks and really that's just getting started. Yeah, <laughs> it's, oh, absolutely. There's the next uh, probably 25 weeks that are highly yeah, relevant. That's right. That, well, especially a whole lot of only, assumptions, yeah. Yeah, especially if they're only doing like two days a week or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got to multiply yeah. multiply that um that out. Mm. So the NDIS has sort of opened up the, the business doors for you. Um, what are your thoughts on the NDIS? <laughs> Bear in mind the portfolio has just been picked up yesterday by our, yeah. next, uh, our next person. Which I'm really hopefully pleased about. Oh, um, let's let's go there. What do you reckon? <laughs> I've been talking about this all morning with people, oh, so right. let's just continue. What do you think? So what, what are we up to? It's the 1st of June we're recording this and Bill Shorten has just picked up the portfolio. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's, oh. yeah, what do you reckon? Well, I know that um, I've listened to his, um, you know, ideas before and, and sort mm. of, um, you know, some of his discussions to do with NDIS and I really quite like his attitude towards all that. Um, I'm not a real political person, but um, I certainly would like to have a chat with him personally. What would you say? What would you ask him? Um, <laughs> I can't probably tell you. Um, no, I'd like, um, I suppose he's aware of a lot of issues with NDIS that, haven't yet been resolved or are taking a very long time. And I'd probably like to share some examples of the real things that I guess have happened to me or my business um, that has affected the functioning of people, um, of how they can function or how they're supported to see Mm. whether people can get onto things quicker or the processes are being followed correctly or timely for actually for people to... I guess, gain success in where they want to go with mm. their goals and and achieve. Um, I find some days I can't stand even thinking about NDIS. Um, yeah. the, I, I actually made a business decision that as of um, 2 o'clock Friday, I no longer, well, I definitely don't ring NDIS, um, but I also decided that I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to do a lot of um have a lot of interaction with people or phone calls after two on a Friday because Mm, love it every Friday for so many weeks I had disasters happen and Mm. you know and a lot of the time it might have been waiting to get through you know to to the the call centers to then be told no one's here or they're working from home and this doesn't happen and no you're wrong and like (sighs) and then I don't know everyone gets very tense on a Friday and I just thought, no, this is ridiculous. It's every Friday afternoon this happens. And um, so now I've actually changed on my details of my business at Fridays till two. <laughs> Even oh, though I work Saturdays. I salute you. No. <laughs> Even though I work Saturdays. Completely salute you. Saturdays are a completely different thing. <clears throat> but um, Well, no one's going to answer the phone at the NDIS on a Saturday probably. So well, No, that's right. But, um, yeah, so I guess um, as far as the NDIS goes, I think – I think the intention's been good. I'm, I have, I'm certainly one to believe in people who make decisions should have the background and understanding of things before mm-hmm. they make the decision, and I don't believe that has been done really well, um, especially for those who have been the, the, you know, the first point of contact. Um, and I know that's not their fault, but I think, um, I think that has created a lot of a lot of problems initially. Yeah. Um, I don't believe still that a person with a vision impairment or is blind is understood by NDIS. 
Um, I think there's still a long way to go in that realm. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't see why they have to question why a person with low vision who has to sit two, you know, two centimetres to the screen should have postural problems and therefore needs a physio. You know, um, there's questions on those sorts of things so often about, well, Mm -hmm. they're blind. What's that got to do with their disability? Um, Or, you know, and that sort of thing really frustrates me because the effect of vision loss is huge on all mm. areas of learning all and systems yeah and um you know from birth if it's from birth and then when it's not from birth and it's acquired even more so then you know things have to change so much that um you know all domains of mm. so more holistic view yeah absolutely because yeah. I, I just find that so frustrating and i know and i really honestly believe in the beginning when looking at people's plans um for the vision impaired people their plans were so, so much lower than anyone else's. Mm. Um, and I know you're not to compare because everyone's needs are different, but I really put that down to them not being understood and yep. also not knowing what they have to ask for or, yep. you know, how yep. to present yep. themselves, you know. Yeah. So I found that really, yeah, very frustrating. Mm. Um, Anything and, else you'd ask? <laughs> it was Shorten. You got him. Cup um, of tea. I guess I'd like to know the, not know the process, but I'd like to see the process of um, complaints and cases that go to the um, the fraud task force um, mm. for those cases to be um, acted on quicker than what I believe they are, um, as I think a lot of people, you know, have been affected by people doing the wrong thing and a lot of it. And a lot of them, you know, there's still been no resolve for a lot of people. And I know that kind of personally um, and still kind of thinking, well, why why haven't they yeah. sorted the case yep. out, you know? Um, yeah, I'd really like to know. I'd really like to know how that sort of operates or how they judge when it's time to catch someone out when yep. there have been reports yep. put forward and information provided. but Seemingly no action. Yeah, yep. so that that's one of my things that you know has kind of affected me personally in our business, in my business yeah. too. And um, I don't understand why the wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. If you were boss of the price guide, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we both reach for our cups of tea. For yeah. those listening, listening along, if you were boss of the price guide, what would you do? Um, I would lower the rate on support workers in some instances depending on what their credentials and qualifications are. I think that's become an area where people, um, initially like people who have gone independent as support workers who think that they can, who do choose to charge the maximum recommended NDIS rate of $55 or $57 when they've done a CPR course and, um, you know, Mm. maybe not much else and think that being a support worker will be a cruisy time and, um, you know, um, a good way of earning money as opposed to working at a coffee shop. Yep. Um, yep. And I'm not putting down anyone who works in a coffee shop. Um, support workers I look for and I've had to look for in my role to um, find someone who gets it but also someone who's there for the right reasons. Mm. And, and I know that... Um, the Mabel platform that um, I've sort of known about since early on, 
you know, when you used to look at that at the support worker rates, they would range from about 25 to 40 an hour. Now, if, when you look, nearly everyone thinks they're entitled and can get that 55 an hour. Mm. And this is where people don't understand. Um, when I said before I was working for blindness organisations, as a maybe orientation mobility specialist or, you know, coordinating some sort of services, the rates that we get and where, and I was qualified, I, had, I have several qualifications, we were getting 35 an hour. Mm. Now, I can't see how a support worker can actually be, you know, that they can approve for a support worker to get that rate, especially if they don't have the credentials. Yeah, And so yeah. That, that's probably, you know, and some support workers might be listening to this and think, well, we do this and we do that. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I've, I've probably done all that too. Um, mm. But I think those prices are pretty high. And yeah. I think it's pretty tough because the, well, the NDIS aren't really, um, they're providing lots of support and lots of support work hours for people. But I just hope it's being used the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rest of the price guide, well, I sort of, I know parts of it and I'm astounded by some, but I think some of it is justified. But I think, um, I think the one the, the one thing I would probably consider changing would be um, the when you look at the regional rates or the the more remote areas. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it's very hard to provide a support to somebody who, say, lives ten hours away, um, for the provider to justify that travel, but also for that person to actually get the services they need. And I don't believe that's factored into their planning, into the yeah. plan. So, but even like I've tra I travelled to Kingaroy in Queensland, um, which is about two and a half hours. Um, you know, I go up to Gympie and Gladstone sometimes as well. But those people's plans haven't got that extra money to really cover those costs, and which I think is really unfair. Um, and so I know that there's certain components that you can add for travel or you can negotiate, but... I'm never one to ask for too much, but I need to cover my own costs as well. Mm, but I yeah. just think it's it's very unfortunate that in some instances a lot of travel money has to be taken out of the money that they need for the specialty supports or the core supports or yeah. to provide yeah. the right, you know, the right provider. So back to that planning process. Yeah, that's that right. holistic view of yes. what yeah what the participant needs. Yeah, and when there's been rises in rates you know if they've increased the rate that hasn't increased on their plan yeah and yeah. it's not an automatic thing I think it was automatic at one stage that might have been to do with the what's the yearly um tax increase is it or um CPI yeah yeah but I know at one stage I think there was an extra money put in but I haven't seen that so much to kind mm. of justify suddenly why these people have to pay this for travel. Yeah. You know, so I really feel for the regional areas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well, Bill, Bill is in for quite a conversation. I'm going to urge you to <laughs> contact him regardless. Yes. Well, he has found me on LinkedIn, which I found interesting, but um, <laughs> I hope that's because he's heard good things. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. So, um, yeah, you know, at times you do have to make some noise in uh in different areas to kind of uh facilitate some some change so uh go yeah, for and it I'm, go and for i'm it. all for that i think i i don't really hold back but i um probably have got better at yeah expressing my thoughts in a more um um 
acceptable way. Yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, sort of stating the facts. And if I've ever been pulled up on things in the past in different jobs, the, the, I've always been told, you know, we understand why you said that because we know that your main concern is for the client. Yeah. You know? So it's, if yeah. it's an issue that I've yeah. said, hey, how come this hasn't happened? It's been because I've been concerned about the person mm. that I've been supporting, mm. you know. So I um, take credit to Motivated that. Motivated for the, all the right reasons. Yeah. Changing gears a little, we've got a few minutes left. What do you want to achieve in your business in the next 12 months? I guess I like continuity, mm. but but also I would like, I guess it's understanding what my business does, what I can provide. I guess I want it to be running smoothly yeah. and I guess transparently and I guess acknowledge for what I can offer um, without the people who don't understand questioning me um, about how can I do that or mm. what are your qualifications or your credentials, you know, what for the NDIS understanding that my service is different to um, to other services as well. Um, I'm not the standard kind of therapist that people know about as such. Yep. Um, most yep. of the people in my field, um, well, if they've got the dual qualification of teaching and orientation mobility, they would still be working with the government. Um, there has been independent providers go out as orientation mobility specialists. Um, but I think um, what I can offer is probably more of a whole approach as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I can actually provide a service and address, you know, someone doesn't have to wait three months for an organisation to come and teach them how to write an email, you know, with their new Check. computer yep. and software. Um, I can actually do that too while I've, you know, after we've gone mm. for a walk and I've trained them with the cane or, um, mm. you know, we've orientated them to the new workplace. So, yeah, I guess it's it's being understood and also um, the actual title of an orientation mobility specialist has never been put on NDIS paperwork up until very recently in February where they acknowledge that AT supporters, uh, AT supports can also be other people outside of OTs. And well, OT barely makes the line. <laughs> yes. So um, this has been one of my real bugbears because mm. it seems a very standard thing that every plan says there's money for OT assessments and, you know, get an OT, get a speech therapist mm. and off you go. And I don't agree with that because there's so many other people that can provide other supports that may actually have more knowledge in the area of specialties and specialised disability that, yeah, our field get forgotten. And some people who would read that plan literally think they have to go and employ an OT to do a functional assessment with no particular reason for an outcome at that time. Mm. Um, it's been kind of like a standard thing. And I think this is where the um, <clears throat> people just think an OT, everyone needs an OT. And I know your practice, uh, your platform, you know, has a lot of OTs that are part mm. of it. But I've worked with a lot of OTs. I've always, you know, worked very well alongside OTs. Um, but I also know there's only so much they've learned at uni. And, you know, I think I know sometimes they're sort of thrown in the deep end um, not really knowing, say, the specialty in vision impairment and the, the kinds of equipment they can delve into depending on their background. And I just find that I can do a lot of that stuff and I don't think that's always regarded um, by other people as good as or, you know, um, yep. if that makes sense. So I guess it's about um, what I would sort of describe as positioning your authority in the market and really messaging the value and mm. 
the ultimate value of partnering with other allied health professionals as well. Yeah, uh, yeah exper- I agree with The that. experience that that then provides for the participant. Yeah, and I certainly, um, I certainly have had referrals from OTs and they've probably been people that I have worked mm. alongside in the past. But the, the, one, the one real big issue that's still gone on for a number of years is, is the orientation mobility title, for example, to actually be there as an option in the list of the allied health providers because up until that's on the system for them to tick a box to say this is what you might need, we might be mistakenly called OTs but also totally forgotten. But mm. but we are the ones that will assist those people to get to the workplace travel-wise and it's not, it's not transport training, it's not um, teaching them about buses, it's it's specialised work that we've all been qualified mm. to to do, you know. So and it's another flavour of marketing, isn't it? Yep, it's, yeah. It's still, it still comes under the marketing and um, broadcasting and whatever word you want. It's about yeah, messaging right. out the value that you in your business provide alongside yeah, everybody right. else. And I probably do really try and focus on those areas too to say, hey, I yep. can do this. And here's yep. an example of me having done this. Yeah. You know, but sometimes yeah. we want it to get to the powers to be as well yeah you know, for them to understand so yeah all right that answered that 12 month question but <laughs> oh you get there in the end hey um what what yep you've got the talking stick for the last uh the last minute what would you like kind of allied health educator business owners to uh to think about as your parting words um i guess to be open to who who else is out there to provide services, mm-hmm. and to also network with each other, not um, mm. not just go separately, you know. And that um, you know, I can be part of someone else's supports, and we can all work as a team. I guess I'm I'm probably more a team player, even though like I'm working yeah. as a sole provider, and I've had, you know, yeah, I've spent time in teams, and it's been so um, valuable because you come with a wealth of experience. And um, and I think we have to keep working towards getting quality people to work for everybody, um, and whether they're under a you know a service on its own or under a big organisation. But I think there needs to be training. Training is a really big thing for the support workers. They need training to understand vision impairment. The organisations, the bigger organisations that want to engage or say that they can provide supports to vision impaired people, well, what kind of training have they got to say that they can do that? And um, I think that's something I find at expos that I go to. They'll say, oh, we can provide support, you know, for your Mm -hmm. services. It's like, okay, how much training have you done with vision impairment? Oh, oh, we've got that one client who's 70 who's going blind. You know, it's like, well, that might not be enough. But recently I trained up some support workers. There was five in my group, which was a great number actually. They loved it and they're, they're coming back for part two. And that's what I'm actually trying to promote in the next 12 months to a lot more um, training for support workers because I'm not going to refer a support worker unless I know they've got some kind of background or some interest and in learning and training that they've done in vision impairment. Yeah. So I still kind of really fight for that field, you know, which is a low incidence disability and that's why sometimes people don't understand it. But at the same time, there's lots of people out there, you know, that have yeah. got a vision impairment yeah. that need to be understood as well. Yeah, and supported appropriately. Yes. Yeah, Thank right. you so much for coming in and Thank sharing you. up uh, a little bit about your business adventure and um, your wholehearted commitment to people with visual 
impairment. Vision. Thank you, thank you. Vision, vision. 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 What did I say? Visual impairment. Vision yeah, a lot impairment. of people. No, they, no, it's absolutely vision impairment. Couldn't agree. Is, yeah, couldn't agree yeah. more. So well, that's all we're Thank you for calling well. me. Good. <laughs> all righty. So pleasure, okay. pleasure. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.